Hello, and welcome to another installment of The Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. For the street urchins of Malifaux, opportunities for education are rare. Those who do concern themselves with teaching Malifaux's children often teach lessons that are better left unlearned. I hope you enjoy. Might is right. Might is Right by Graham Stevenson He wouldn't cry. He wouldn't give them the satisfaction. Hunched in behind the splintered planking, he waited for the voices to fade. Wiping his nose, the back of his hand came away black, but he knew that under gaslight it would be red. He didn't care. He'd been hurt before. It wouldn't stop him. Life was hard on the streets of Malifaux. Kids toughened up quick or they died. Lasky knew that better than anyone, except maybe the pale forms that washed up some mornings in the stinking mud of the river. Fortunately, the hierarchy was simple enough for even the dummies to figure out eventually. A select few were natural leaders, while others had sufficient size or aggression to fight their way to the top. Most kids sought the protection of a gang, shoring up their deficiencies with their tribal brethren. At the bottom of the pile were the victims. Lasky didn't want to be a victim. But what did want have to do with anything when you lived on the street? He wasn't big enough, strong enough, or quick-mouthed enough to distinguish himself in an otherwise very competitive market. He could have found a tough kid to hide behind. They'd follow my leader and paid his sycophantic dues like most of the others. But he just couldn't bring himself to do it. He couldn't have explained why not if you'd asked him. He only knew that the followers disgusted him even more than the heavy-boned kids who professed superiority simply because they'd been dealt a better genetic hand. Joining said you were weak. Joining marked you a coward. He couldn't stomach that. And so he avoided the other gangs. Without a peer group, he became a loner. And loners were always victims. Lasky was angry all the time. He was angry at his parents for dying. He was angry at the city's failure to provide for its orphans. He was angry at the preventable death of his little brother, leaving him alone. He was angry at the other kids because they victimized him so they in turn wouldn't become victims. He was angry at the gang leaders because they could have used their position to make life better for the other kids instead of making it worse. Most of all, he was angry at himself for bucking the system, angry at how his own lack of compromise was responsible for the target on his back. His face hurt, but it would fade as it always did, and it wouldn't be the last time either. One of the kids had thrown a chunk of brick about the size of a lemon and had caught him on the cheek. It felt swollen, but at least none of his teeth were loose. He ventured a look out. One of the benefits of being skinnier than most meant that he could squeeze into spaces where others couldn't follow. When Smokey's gang had chased him down here, he'd managed to get between two loose boards in the wall of a mouldering old house and into the crawl space behind. The gang had kicked and pulled at the boards, but the wood was more resilient than it looked and after a brief stint of pushing a sharp stick through the gap, they had lost interest and left. 
The alley was empty now. Lasky extracted himself slowly, trying to avoid adding to the collection of splinters already in his ribs and hands from his rushed entry. Raw, grunted a deep voice somewhere behind him. He turned in the direction of the voice, looking in surprise towards the dead end of the alley, but there was only uniform shadow. Although Lasky hadn't understood the word, it was soaked in enough contempt for him to guess the meaning. Weak. Nishi Ling Dao. Ling Dao. The slow voice continued. It sounded scornful. There were two points of light in that darkness. Two white spots that might have been the reflection of small, roomy eyes. But they were much too high up to belong to a man, unless he was standing on a box. Lasky wondered briefly if this was some drunken Three Kingdoms sailor who was giving him a lecture on the ways of the world in his mother tongue. Although the voice was slow, it was not slurred, and it carried a powerful undercurrent of malice. He should have been afraid, but he was too angry and humiliated at having to hide from Smokey's gang. He'd done enough running. What? He snapped frustrated at being able to register the tone, but not the specifics. Continued the heavy voice, apparently oblivious to the communication breakdown. Uh, got no idea what you're saying, Lasky said. Speak English. Enough crawling, the voice said, using English for the first time, but so heavily accented, it took Lasky a while to realize it. Enough hiding. What do you care? The twin points of light swung gradually in his direction, and Lasky felt their oppressive gaze. It was not a pleasant place to be. Call them back, said the voice. Huh? Smokey's gang? Lasky snorted. Having just managed to avoid them by the skin of his teeth, he wasn't keen for a rematch. Yeah, sure. They think they are stronger. The deep voice continued. It spoke so strangely, and yet with such authority that he found it difficult to oppose it. They are wrong. There's half a dozen of them, and only one of me. I get creamed. Numbers mean nothing without loyalty, sneered the voice slowly. I don't get it. Good leaders. Use dogs to flush out their enemies, rumbled his invisible advisor. Bad ones lead with their chin. Something about this last comment stuck in Lasky's head. It was true that Smokey was always first into a fray, wind milling his long arms to beat down his invariably smaller opponent. His pack usually only joined in when the victim was already down and dazed. Smokey led with his chin. There was a length of wood lying in the dirt, a piece of timber that had splintered off from the planking he'd been hiding behind. Lasky hefted it in one hand. The timber was a shade over three feet long and perhaps two fingers thick. It carried enough weight to deliver a solid blow. What he was considering was completely insane, but something about that ponderous, insistent voice would not be denied. At the very least, it would give Smokey pause for thought next time he decided to chase Lasky into an alley. Call them back, 
the voice said again. Blasky's heart was beginning to thump in his chest. It was fear, of course, but it was also an impulsive exhilaration that he'd never felt before. It was almost like freedom, like taking a step outside of himself. He stuck the end of the stick into the dirt where he could reach it quickly, and still feeling that odd sense of dislocation, walked to the end of the alley. Perhaps fifty yards away, Smokey and his gang were sauntering along a rotted old dock. Their blood was evidently still up from the chase, judging by the way the smaller boys tussled and hooted. Smokey was more reserved, but there was a swagger of accomplishment in his walk, like he'd proven yet again that his gang had chosen to ally themselves to the right man. Hey! Lasky shouted at the top of his voice. Hey, Smokey! The entire gang turned. None were more surprised to identify Lasky as the source of the call than Smokey himself. Maybe you missed it while you and your five rat friends was ganging up on me, he called. But you can't hurt me. Why don't you come back here and get it? Smokey's face scrunched into an outraged ball. What he was doing was so absurd that Lasky began to giggle. Can't even hurt a fly, he continued, knowing that he was committed now, whatever happened. No wonder only rats are scared of you. The gauntlet was now well and truly down. There was no way that Lasky could get out of this unscathed. No amount of negotiation or apology would appease the other boy. For Smokey to feel his premiership was still intact among his peers, he was now required to pound Lasky into jelly. The bully barged through his associates and raced back up the dock towards the alley mouth, his long stork legs working like pistons, his fists bawled. You want a lickin'? He was shouting. You'll get a lickin'. Lasky hovered just long enough to watch Smokey's gang launch into pursuit, then ducked back around the corner to snatch up the stick and prepare for a preemptive strike. The stick was gone. His stomach dropped to his ankles. It had been there a second ago. He could still see the triangular depression in the dirt where he'd thrust it. Panicked, he scanned around in the gloom, but it was nowhere to be seen. It hadn't just fallen over, it had vanished. And then Lasky was out of time. The slapping footfalls of Smokey were coming up fast to the corner, the staccato clattering of his gang right behind him. At the last instant, Lasky saw a length of wood projecting from the darkness against the alley wall just by his bare feet. He grabbed it with both hands and swung desperately, having only enough time to register the smoothness of the wood and far more weight than he'd expected. And then there was a heavy crunch of impact. Smokey had come steaming around the corner right into Lasky's blow. The larger boy went down instantly, as boneless and rubbery as a string of sausages. Lasky's brain began to fill in the blanks while Smokey's gang skidded to an astonished halt behind their fallen leader. The wooden stick he was clutching in both hands wasn't a stick at all but a mace. It had a polished oak shaft and a pitted iron head about the size of an apple. The weapon looked very old. The shaft was notched and marked from what might have been centuries of use, the iron head brown with rust. But it still worked just fine. Lasky looked down at Smokey. The boy's legs were folded under him from the awkward fall, one hand thrown out like an exclamation. His eyes were open. But what made Lasky feel queasy was that they were no longer looking in the same direction. 
the cornea of his left eye was slowly turning crimson, while a purple lump bigger than Lasky's fist was growing out of the temple above it. The big toe of Smokey's right foot started ticking like it was trying to scratch invisible flesh. Smokey? asked Forteeth, the largest and oldest of the fallen leader's gang, and so named for the four incisors that were missing from the front of his mouth. When he grinned, he looked like an enamel lock waiting for a key. There was a short but very deep silence. Lasky thought he might vomit. The gang leader looked far worse than unconscious. He looked dead. Enhal, gurgled the bass voice behind him. There was a repellent mixture of gloating and pride in it. None of the gang members seemed aware of the voice, although they were only feet away. They were still staring down at their motionless leader. Smokey, said Shivers, like he was trying to wake the other boy from sleep. Smokey, get up. Very good, the heavy voice repeated in English this time. A momentous weight shifted immediately behind him. Now they will listen. Lasky tried to push the nausea away, swallowing the saliva in his mouth so that he could speak. Any more for anyone? He asked with as much conviction as he could find. You're crazy, accused Forty, jabbing a finger. He looked shocked and furious, but Lasky noticed he had made no attempt to retaliate. Yeah? Lasky took a step forward on impulse and noticed that the other boys all immediately took a step back. So this is what it feels like, he thought. Smokey, Shivers said again, sounding more desperate. Apparently he was still hoping that the prone boy would get up, even though blood was leaking from his ear. Forget Smokey, Lasky said. Smokey's gone. You killed him, Forteeth shouted. The others began to nod. The lieutenant, said the voice in Lasky's ear. It sounded inches away. You can brook no challenge. He must be brought to heel. Working mostly on instinct, Lasky took another step forward. He had to step over the motionless Smokey to do it, but positioned himself to separate Forteeth from the others. He was putting the rest of the gang on his flank, but something told him they wouldn't do anything until this challenge had resolved itself. They were trying to gauge him against Forteeth. They'd thought they had the measure of Lasky, but that had just been turned on its head. He had to use that to his advantage, show them just how wrong they'd been. That's right, Lasky heard himself say. I killed him. He thought I was weak. He was wrong. Yeah, think you're tough, because you got that club, Forteeth asked. Keep talking, Forteeth, Lasky growled. Tomorrow they'll be calling you no teeth. The other boy's wild gaze kept flicking between Lasky's face and the mace, and Lasky understood that the longer the boy waited, the less likely he'd be to act. His panicky breath whistled through the hole in his mouth. You gonna make a move? Lasky taunted, taking another step forward. Or you just gonna stand there whistling? Forteeth flushed and tried to press his lips together as he gave more ground. He ended up making an awkward face, and right about then, both boys realized the challenge was over. What about the rest of you? Lasky asked, risking a glance at the others. You want to end up like Smokey there? Or have you had enough? The boys said nothing, 
unsure how to react. They weren't leaders. Ganlan Shi, rumbled the voice inside his head. The olive branch. Lasky was trembling, but he knew there was no getting off this right now. I ought to break all your skulls for what you tried to do to me. But now I'm thinking, maybe I can use you. What? Shiva asked. What do you mean? I'm going to be expanding my territory real soon, Lasky improvised. And I'll need someone to watch my back. What territory? Fourteeth asked, confused. Until about ten seconds ago, Lasky had been a nobody. It took all the self-control Lasky had left, but he lifted his foot and planted it on the chest of the dead boy at his feet. Lasky's weight on the ribs pushed a faint sigh from between his lips. Smokies, of course. The other boys looked pale and nervous, but none of them contested this openly. Lasky tried to smile arrogantly, but the secret turmoil of desperation and self-loathing inside him must have turned it into something truly horrible to behold. Now get out of here, he snapped. I've got stuff to do. Come by here tomorrow morning if you're interested. If not, you best not let me clap eyes on you again. Understand? The boys backed away. There was still distrust on their faces, but Lasky thought the spectre of Smokey's bad end would stay with them. They'd come to the same conclusion they always did in that backstreet world. Better to be with a stronger boy than against him. When they were gone, Lasky finally realized he was still brandishing the heavy club and lowered it to relieve his screaming muscles. He felt empty, desiccated. What had just happened? Sian Shai, Nishiling Dao, said the voice. Now you are a leader. It was you, he said, turning to face this apparition. You swapped the stick. I only wanted to hurt him, but you made me kill him. Victims hurt, the voice grunted. Leaders kill. I don't want to be a leader, shouted Lasky, feeling hot tears running down his cheeks. All he'd wanted was to be left alone. Leaders don't want. Leaders are. Then what are you? The huge shadow became a shape. It was twice his height at least, and many times broader than a man. The gloom stole most of the details from him. But he identified scaly reptilian skin marked with innumerate old scars, a hooked beak that came to a dangerous-looking point, and small bright eyes filled with cruelty and delight. I am Jembu. Lasky gawked. He'd never seen anything like it. On reflex, he half-raised the club again. The leathery horror chuckled as its beady eyes followed Lasky's weapon. It sounded like bubbling tar. A challenge, it asked. Lasky realized what he was doing and let the weapon hang by his side. No, I ain't stupid, he said. That is good, Jembu said. It produced a long curved cleaver out of the darkness, a murderous looking piece of metal, scarred from an unknowable number of battles. Despite its obvious age, the blade was as keen as sheared glass. Who are you? Lasky asked again, deeply afraid both of this apparition and the new door it had opened in Lasky's life. A teacher, it replied with false modesty. Teaching what? The only lesson that matters, Zhenbu said. 
When nothing further came from the creature, Lasky pressed again. I don't understand. His oppressive tutor loomed larger, although Lasky couldn't tell whether this was through irritation or it had simply moved closer. You are a leader now, when before you were a victim, it said. Why? Lasky almost said, because you made me do it, but said nothing. Force, Genbu rumbled. Force and willingness to use it. The boy felt the impact of the mace against Smokey's skull echo in his fingertips, and the nausea returned. Authority is derived from force, Genbu continued. That is the first lesson, the only lesson. Lasky knew in his heart that this was wrong, but how could he refute it before this beast? He had crushed Smokey's skull, and now the gang that had tormented him was under his boot. That wasn't the way things were meant to be. People could talk, civilized people could talk. What if I'd talked him down? He asked. What if Smokey and me could have been friends? In truth, Lasky had never thought of or wanted Smokey as a friend. But that didn't mean that he felt the boy's demise had been justified. Lasky wasn't sure he'd ever sleep again. Victims talk, victims share, said Genbu dismissively. Leaders rule. Lasky looked at the crumpled body behind them. Perhaps that was the monster's point. What chance did negotiation have against a mace? Just the same. He tried again, feeling like he was trying to save his own soul. It ain't always got to come down to a fight. Some folks is decent. You are a leader now, the creature said, its eyes twinkling with spiteful amusement. There is no room for decent. And in his heart of hearts, Lasky knew that Jembu was right. Life was rough on the streets. People took what they could and had to fight to keep it. Lasky had just pushed to the front and taken a handful. Although cowed for the moment, his gang was feral and would turn on him at the first sniff of weakness. They had their own ambitions and avarices to nurture, and only the threat of punishment would keep them in line. Punishment at Lasky's hands. A vast scaly paw armed with claws closed over his own and squeezed bone-breakingly tight, lifting Lasky's arm and the mace into the air. This, growled Jembu. Your badge of office. Never surrender it. Never relinquish it. Lasky stared up at the ugly weapon crusted in a dead boy's blood. The door that Jenbu had opened was before Lasky, and the path beyond it looked dark and dangerous. This had never been the life that he wanted, but the boy felt suffocated and powerless against the momentum that drew him forward and through it. Like it or not, he was a leader now, and he had to act like one. That's it for another installment of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure. <laughs>